just left with a conversation flow. Do you want to have like a certain topic that way we can always be in that topic in case we, if things get boring? I don't think Joe Rogan does that. Uh, no, he's got some structure, but uh, I don't. You think you know that I don't like Joe Rogan? I do know that. But do you like Joe Rogan? I used to listen to him a lot, but uh, not lately. Click track. Check, check. <laughs> I'm also planning to edit the shit out of this. So, like, if there's awkward silences, I'm just going to cut them out. Okay. Um, do you want to introduce this, since it's your podcast? Uh, <laughs> is it my podcast, or is it our podcast? It can be. I mean, I mean it's, yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, Take it away. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to our first podcast. Uh, my name is Oscar. My name is Dylan. And today, uh, I mean, this is going to be a free base, loosey-goosey uh, episode. but uh, Free base? But uh, I guess the topic will be Smashing Pumpkins, but don't be surprised if we uh, change the subject or go to another trail of conversation. I'm going to lean back a little bit like no, that's this. Okay. You, you can move your mic if you want to get more comfortable. Totally, totally. Too. Well, let me ask this question to you, Dylan. Uh, what made you do podcast? <laughs> well, I don't know if I would say I do podcast. This is the first attempt. Uh-huh. And probably no one's going to see it because <laughs> I'm going to be too embarrassed. Is it just me or is my voice a lot louder? I think I'm talking more into the mic. Maybe, here, but... Here, pull it, pull it back towards you. Okay, check one, two. Can there you we go. Yeah. Now we're both nice and, and velvety sounding. Nice and clear. Nice and clear. But it's still, you got inspired to do this. Yeah, is it okay. Because, is it because oh, our, our friends, mutual friends, are like, oh, maybe we should, you should do podcasting or something? I don't know. Who said that? Brooke, maybe? <laughs> Brooke's friend? Kay? Yeah. Oh, Right. Well, we mentioned like we might record one when they yeah. went out, but uh, I don't think anyone really supports this idea. <laughs> I mean, I'd be surprised to hear people who'll be into it. But so, um, let me ask you this question: What podcasts do you like? Uh, I like uh, like informative podcasts about like I've been listening to one called Corridor Cast about visual effects. Mm-hmm. I like guitar podcasts. Wong Notes, Corey Wong's podcast is pretty good. Corey Wong has a podcast? Yeah. Do you know he's coming to Chicago? Uh, I didn't know that. 2023. Next uh, year. Next year. I <laughs> he think hasn't sh- been recently? No, he's coming. Uh, I think uh, Victor Wooten is going to uh, open oh, up for him. That's cool. Um, With the Wong Notes? Is it that? Or is it Wolfpack? I don't, I don't know. I think it's the Wong Notes. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't really that, go to shows much. Well, yeah. <laughs> you do. You're a show. You're, you like going to live music. I guess. I guess. I do. Um, I respect that about you. I also, what I respect about you is your content creation. You well, do a lot from art, music, and now podcasting. Thank you. This is uh, all my a grand scheme to help promote my content, to have you talk about it on a podcast. Thank you. 
Now I'm lying. This is content, though. Yeah, it we is. are making content. <laughs> we are making content. That's for sure. Um, Talking to the mic. <laughs> yes. Um, what else was I going to say? Um, no, I don't listen to that much podcasting. I mean, I do, but like, I never gave in, given music podcasting a chance. Uh, sometimes I just get annoyed if it, they talk about something they think they're smart about, but they're not. But mm. never realized that Corey Wong did with podcast, so I'm kind of interested on that because he's a really phenomenal guitarist. Um, the podcast I listen to is more like a comedy base, but also freeform. Or like I listen to Mark Marin, the WTF, WTF one. It's an in- interview kind of process. I like yeah. freeform, where it's just a conversation. It's free flowing and it's not heavily edited but i do like heavily heavily edited stuff like uh this is not podcasting but it's a tv show um fuck what the hell's his name guy from adult swim seth mcfarland no he has a tv show uh of course he's got a tv show what the hell's his name he's in jackass he's a new member of jackass now a new member i don't know he collaborates with hannibal all the time Eric Andre? There you go. Like Eric oh, yeah. Andre. Like he, okay. he heavily edits his shit, but that's what's so... He has so a podcast? Or no, the Eric just Andre show. The Eric Andre show. Just, but, I, you know, it's the beauty of his stuff, I guess. You know, editing can be, a, a, you know, something beautiful in some aspects. Rick Glassman, do you know who he is? No. Comedian. Uh, he has a very heavily edited but very funny podcast called Take Your Shoes Off. What's it about? It's like you said, like comedy, free form, no no theme, but just like have a new guest interview. He's had Mark Maron as a guest. That was a good episode. Was it? They're like in the same L.A. comedy circle. Did they talk about alcoholism and being sober and stuff like that? And I don't know where they start crying. <laughs> I should have might have come up. I cry about that shit too. Is, is Mark Maron, uh, I don't listen to a What the Fuck podcast much. Is he a like, recovering alcoholic? Yeah, he's, he's a recovering drug addict. Um, has been for like 25 years. What was his? Cocaine. DOC. Yeah, cocaine was his main thing. Um, okay. The episode with Alex Trejo is amazing. I highly recommend that one. I was crying on that one. Who is Alex Trejo? Uh, is that if that's his name? Um He's a stereotypical Mexican Chicano guy. He was he was the main character in uh, Machete. Oh, sorry. The guy with like pretty like pockmarked skin. Yeah, wrinkly eyes and everything, and the long <laughs> uh, hair. And that the guy's eagle a great tattoo. actor. Yeah, that I didn't know that was his name. I thought his name was something different, but I I don't know him that well. Yeah, his pot, his episode with Mark is amazing. Um, uh, it's all about him trying to get his life together from being a drug addict and being, and, you know, an ex-convict and stuff like that. Really good stuff. Um, but yeah, but now we have our own podcast and we're going to be talking <laughs> about Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, we're, we've been podcasting for five minutes and we're just talking about other podcasts <laughs> we like. But I think it's appropriate. We're, no. we're talking about the medium we are exploring. Yeah, and also, it's 2022. There's so many podcasts out there. It's a competition, so at least we're talking about the stuff we like, and then just go from there. Yeah, there's not, mean, not enough talking about stuff people like. Yeah, that's true. And also, this is weird for me. I know you're recording me, so you're seeing me, and I don't like that, but it's, <laughs> it's fine, you know. 
I'm yeah. seeing you no matter what, but um, you mean the recording makes yeah, you uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> is this even, is this thing on? Is it? Yes. Is it on? Okay, that's what matters. Um, but yeah, we could talk about Smashing Pumpkins. I feel like maybe we should also uh, re... What what's the word I was gonna say? Like reconvene Smashing Pumpkins podcast with Robert and Chair too. Oh, maybe Ben is a Skype guest. Totally. But totally. we're we're doing the maiden voyage. We're yeah. we're just getting the one on one. Getting the one on one. I mean, you, Robert and Ben are the top notch guys about what to talk about Smashing Pumpkins. I'm just a the guy. You know, you know when it comes to D and D, I roll the one. You guys roll the twenty. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, interesting reference. Mm-hmm. I don't know D and D well enough to even appreciate that. I think they're both die, right? Yeah. Like but one has h- more sides. Yeah, the higher the number, the better the chance. Oh, so. that's the the result we get. Exactly. Um, so you know, you guys' are expertise is better than mine. I'm just you that's know. perfect, though. You yeah. are the uh, the uninitiated, but you are very initiated. Uh-huh. Okay, we should uh, we should preface this. You just listened to the entire Smashing Pumpkins yeah. discography, which uh, even though I would call myself a lifelong Smashing Pumpkins fan, I haven't even listened to the entire like mm-hmm. Spotify discography. But you were listening to them since you were fourteen, and you were a hardcore fan. I listened to it here and there, but I never gave it a full chance until like last four months ago, like last four months. Um, mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, you, you're, you're more intact to it than I am. So. That's fair. So, but your your perspective, I, I think, is just as valid, if not more so, because you. It'd be boring to have a podcast of just two super fans gushing about their favorite uh, songs. Yeah, you're right. You're you right have like that. a more. You have an adult perspective on a lot of the music. <laughs> I guess, and I also see the perspective in like how the impact of the Chicago music scene. Mm-hmm. Our mutual friend, Raya, made a good point about Smashing Pumpkins. She was talking about it in the perspective of 90s rock and roll, 90s alternative, where the, the music scene back then, yeah, it might have been big, but at the same time, it was a small world. Because like, you know, Billy Corgan might have talked to the people from L7 or Hole, and it was a small community. But now looking back, it's we think of it as something huge. And you know, and I hate I hate saying this because I, I feel like it's a typical cliche thing from documentaries. But like back in the day, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, so <laughs> it must have been even harder back then to try to communicate. Which I maybe easier for the fact that there's no distractions than what we have now. Yeah, and there are fewer people out there mm-hmm. spreading their voices, so it's harder to get to be like in the mainstream voice that everyone's going to hear, but there's there's less competition at the top, sort of, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be doing that a lot. Just say something and then chicken out and say, eh, I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of how that, I communicate. That's the beauty of this podcast. Well, I mean, also, one thing I do want to uh, mention or add, um, 
I don't know if you notice this, but every time the first episode of the podcast, it's always the most awkward, intense mm. one. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's going to be like that for the first episode, but I feel like after the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth one, it's going to be more loosey-goosey, or maybe we have to drink more. Yeah, I was just feeling a little self-conscious about visibly drinking whiskey on the uh, the video feed of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know if you feel this I feel a lot of guilt about alcohol use nowadays like I feel like I always shouldn't be doing it mm. but it makes me feel good so no, I have that problem too I'm thinking about joining Al-Anon Al-Anon? So you mean it's Alcoholics like, Anonymous? It's like Alcoholics Anonymous but for, but for victims of people who have you know who had oh. Who are dealing with alcoholics? Uh, what's the abbreviation? A L A N O N. A L A N O N. Yeah. But that's almost the same as AA. Yes, right? but in the aspects of uh, you're just dealing with your trauma and trying to heal from the people who, you know, gave shit to you. So mm -hmm. I just recently found out a new term called dry drunk. Hmm. which I've experienced this a lot in my childhood. Um, so a person who is a recovering alcoholic, right? And I don't know where they're showing anger towards you, but they're sober. And because because they, they act like that because they're, you know, they're used to that, you know, reaction of getting angry when they're drunk. But since they're drunk, they're trying to find some kind of anger and they just spew it to someone about this littlest thing. When they're sober. When they're they sober. So they call it dry, uh, not, not dry drunk. I forget what it's called, but something like that, you know? Dry rage or something like that. I, I mm. don't know my uh, vocabulary that well in that, in that aspect. I don't know. Maybe in the YouTube comments, someone will say something. <laughs> yes. Our, our thriving YouTube comment section. Yeah. It is hard to get views on YouTube. Is it? I've had a channel for like couple years i think and just like i don't know how you get on the algorithm of just shown to to random people i thought it would be easier for you since uh you have the reputation of being known around here in the art world i'm really not known yeah. if you <laughs> there's a small but, subset of people who i like who know me but there's people who are far more have far more clout in the art scene than me. What about the students who are like curious about who Dylan Dylan is? That's another weird thing, because I don't really like follow students on social media unless they like find my Instagram and and add me first. I'm not like vocal about, hey class, let's all follow each other on social media. It's a source of a lot of uh, stress to me actually, because a lot of my fellow teachers like do do that and like it's part of how they teach like oh we'll share our final projects on instagram but i don't i don't like doing it i don't know about you but i feel like teachers who do that they're just trying to uh, I, I, I think followers no i think they're being creepy they're trying to get something else other than trying to get followers oh yeah. you mean like <laughs> relationships with students yes of, of <laughs> a certain sort yeah that i think was the norm for many years mm -hmm. but now uh with you know me too culture everything is like drastically cut down on that like you can get fired for having mm -hmm. 
uh, even like a consensual relationship with a, a student at in college. Like they're they're of age, but you can if they if the school finds out you're you're gone. Really? So people are very scared of of that sort of stuff now. But as just as little as like five years ago, it was. I remember my student, uh, my teaching orientation at SAIC, like which was 2014, 2015, they told us consensual student-teacher relationships are okay if they're consensual and the student is not in your direct class. Ah. But now it's uh, forbidden. Any, any current student and any faculty member like, is, is off limits. Do you think some teachers get angry about that and they feel like they are hashtag or quote-unquote woke and turn a little bit right-wing after that like are they taking our rights away from us how dare they uh i'm sure there are some but you are afraid of losing your job so you you hold your tongue i think (laughs) okay random question do you want to be tenured or you're uh, like, no, I don't want to think that far ahead. I'm, I'm probably going to end up cutting up this entire part of the podcast because I'm scared. But I honestly, like the part I, I last said about student-teacher stuff, and also I don't really want to teach forever. <laughs> I would love to uh, like be able to make a living off of art that I make, whether it's like a fucking podcast or oh, I think paintings. it's going to happen. I believe in you. Your art is fantastic. You have talent. You Thank made you. my shitty art into something amazing. We'll um, have to put a little inset yeah. of that painting on the, the show because, <laughs> dude, you did that. You created no, yeah. a, an amazing composition. This is what I think with painting. Composition mm-hmm. is everything. Like the choice to just put that guy's face in the middle of the canvas. Mm-hmm. I just made it look a little more like rounded, some shading. Like you you did the hard part, which is have the idea. And the one that you sketched for me on a new canvas, that's that's gonna be all you. Oh yeah, but I'm, I'm interested to see because you give life you give life in the canvas with the color you choose and the highlights and the shadowings that you make. And I'm just blown away how simple it is with you just by mixing it with a little bit of oil and boom. It is simple. Like you saw how how little it took for me to just like Just a little paint, mm-hmm. a little oil, and suddenly you got some shading if you've got the right line work underneath it, mm-hmm. which was you. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question. What's uh, Smashing Pumpkins' first album? Gish, right? Yes. What do you think Billy Corgan and the band's idea of the composition and the, the meaning behind Gish? Well, what, what is it that you think that that album means to you and where did it incorporate it to you in your life when you first listened to it uh it's a very interesting question because i think gish is the most abstract of the smashing pumpkins albums Mm -hmm. like the lyrics make almost no sense it's like just like billy corgan's classic rock fantasies come come into like a more modern early 90s sound it's it goes back and forth with siamese dream is my favorite Mm-hmm. album of theirs i think it's almost perfect but it's kind of more simple it's like unlike fucking melancholy excess overproduced everything like gish is such a self-contained uh little idea of a what an album could be what did you think of gish i'm very curious to hear your um, opinion 
Had you heard it before this recent? Uh, I have, but I never fully get, put it, a lot of attention to it. Um, but now listen to it again. It was good. Um, what blew me away was, uh, you know, the the extra stuff, like the second disc or the third disc. Because I listened to the whole thing from Spotify. See, and it's I like don't three know what hours. else is on there. Three hours yeah. of gish no, two, I think it's two hours or something. Uh, two or three hours, I forget. Um, but Holy shit. What blew me away is that Billy Corgan had this idea of, you know, putting Christianity in the picture of the band. And I didn't know that. I mean, I did knew I did know about his religion and how he, he talks about it, but I thought that was later, like after, like in Ex Machina, mm-hmm. or that's just the, the album from 2000? It's just Machina. Machina, Machina. You're thinking Sorry, of... The, the uh, movie, <laughs> the movie. Uh, and also the, the other uh, album in 2018, uh, The Knights from Alta, I forget. Oh, Knights of Malta. Knights of Malta. So, like, I knew those were Christian elements, but, like, I I was blown away that Billy was thinking about that from the beginning. And Wait, what what are you thinking of for Christianity on uh, on Gish? I know it's there, but what are what I don't I don't know the, the names of the songs. It's one of the outtakes, so it's not even a song in Gish, but, oh. like, but he does talk about it. And um, The lyrics do have some Christian themes, too. Like, I am one, like, true. Try to find a Messiah in your Trinity is one of the <laughs> lyrics in the first song on Gish. So uh, the biggest question I have in that, I'll, I mean, in that, um, which is uh, w- what made the band members hang out with Billy <laughs> with his Christian aspects, even from that, you know, even from the beginning in that, were they Christians themselves that they hang I wanted to know Maybe. where they hung out because I, I, I did some research. I guess they hung out like... Somewhere in Chicago, like uh, Billy Corgan um, was working in some record store, and then hung, met 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 band members there, met the future band members there. Mm-hmm. But well, but what uh, made the band members say like, "Oh, I'm cool with the Christian stuff"? <laughs> no, no disrespect to the Christian culture or anything. I'm just wondering, like, how did it get there? How, you know, was there any consent, or was Billy just being, no, like the the extreme leader that he is. No, I want this like this, and I. And there's no way to change it. I am the one who's making this amazing pop songs. I will make you guys big. I just need to play some Christian music. <laughs> See, I don't. I think he snuck it in slowly, and was not out about his like religious. Uh, and it probably at the time, he wouldn't have labeled himself a Christian in like a, a press interview about the band. It, it was yeah. like just using the themes to make interesting lyrics. I, I wouldn't call them a Christian band then or uh, even or now. now. No, but like he is a hardcore Christian guy. Big time. Even he believes like he, in God. He seems to. Like even the, the, the pictures on Spotify with his robe. Oh right! It just it just I find it weird. Like he's trying to look like the Pope in some ways, but like the Goth Pope, the Chicago Goth Pope. <laughs> <laughs> that's abs- that's actually a really good comparison. He does dress like he's like some religious figure. Another thing I ask myself when I listen to this is like if, like looking back, I wish I was. Around the around there when it happened, but I was like two years old, one year old when this happened. When Smashing Pumpkins were a local band, who were they playing with? 
because there are moments where I I hear like they might have known Captain Jazz because Captain Jazz was uh, I believe from Highland Park. I don't know that band. Oh, they're a great band. They're like Captain an emo Jazz. band too. And would you consider Smashing Pumpkins emo? No, like emo to me means like that like very punk raw like emotional post punk or something. Uh-huh. If you're talking about like a nine, 1991 yeah. mm-hmm. emo. Yeah. Uh th- I don't think so. They were they do have like goth pop elements, mm-hmm. but more like cure not rites of spring or uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know much about like early uh, genuine emo music. You should check out Captain Jazz. I think you'll enjoy them. There's a documentary about them, which I still need to see. But uh, and they're, they were from Highland Park. They're from Chicago, this area. I think Highland Park. Because that's so, where Billy's based exactly. now. Exactly. So that's what makes me think if they knew each other. Or maybe I maybe I have my time elements wrong because I think Captain Jazz got big in like in the earlier mid nineties. I don't know. This is one of the things I'm afraid about doing podcasts. There's going to be a guy calling me out. <laughs> you know. I know. I was having that thought earlier. Like I'm about to say some shit that probably could be fact checked mm-hmm. and proved wrong. But people need to understand if you're getting listen to a podcast, if you're listening to anybody talk about anything, there is a high likelihood that they're pulling shit out of their ass and it's not true unless it's npr and then everything's going to be heavily edited and then that's going to sound like there's no life in that fucking podcast you think there's no life when something's edited like heavily edited like npr uh, wait till you hear this this is going to be oh. a snappy oh. <laughs> 15 minute <laughs> eric godfrey podcast. style right <laughs> There'll be like random surreal sketches uh, thrown in. In fact, we should like act out some random shit to like cut in the middle. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to get up and like take a piss and maybe. Okay. For that time being, I'll just do ASMR. Should I do wet or dry sounds? I've never really thought about ASMR as having like different types of sounds. I don't like ASMR. (laughs) I don't watch the content of ASMR. Do you are you still interested in Kratom? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit drunk from that uh, tequila and uh, root beer, so I have to hydrate a bit. (laughs) Oscar is drinking tequila and root beer. It's not bad. I might do it again. That just sounds wrong to me, but maybe it's good. Do you want another? No, no, I'm good. Don't knock it till you try it, you know? I just noticed your shirt is very cool. It's like shiny. Thank you. Got it in Mexico. Is that like an Aztec symbol? It has or? the calendar. Oh, it's a calendar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been peeing so much today. Hey. I, I like wish I didn't have to go again. But Feel free to urinate, man. You got to listen to your body. All right. This is uh, your time to shine. My solo. time to shine. My time to shine solo. Uh, I don't know. When it comes to Smashing Pumpkins, um, I always wonder, like, what made them big? What is it that makes them a big scene in Chicago, other than them being from Chicago? Like, I like uh, Tonight Tonight. How they ref- how how he references Chicago, you know, the city by the lake. I think tonight tonight is one of the best songs that in the discography. Um, extremely touching, ex- well written. 
Um, I feel like sometimes Billy has some strokes of genius. Tonight Tonight is one of them. There's some other songs, too. Um, however, his big downfall is that he does not collaborate well with his own bandmates. And I feel like if he did collaborate well with his bandmates, the band could have been bigger, better, stronger. Um, but the thing that keeps me going to listening to the Smash Em even more is not Billy, is more than anything is the drums. Uh, Jimmy Chamberlain's work is amazing. He's one of the best drummers in rock and roll history. I would probably put him in my top five of best drummers out there. Um, and I'm also interested in hearing Billy Corgan's guitar work. I, I am amazed by his uh, fuzz, his distortions, and his tone. It, it sounds really good. I cannot decide which solo is my favorite solo from the Smashing. Maybe I'll ask that to Dylan. Do you have a favorite uh, guitar solo from the Smashing Pumpkins? He's thinking about it. Um, I'll say this. Uh, one of my um, sentimental mean moments in my life was in uh, mid-2000s in Mexico. I was hanging out with my cousin, and uh, he had a bootleg CD of the Smashing Pumpkins playing their last um, set at the Metro. And, you know, at the time, I thought that was really hard to find, and he found it, like, out of nowhere in Mexico, you know, back in the LimeWire days. Um, and then I hear them playing uh, that Beatles song, Don't Let Me Down. And I did not know they were a Beatles fan, and I really, really, really enjoyed their rendition of it, and that kind of gave me more respect for the Beatles, I mean, for the Smashing Pumpkins uh, than before, and I was kind of bummed out that I was late in the bandwagon because they, you know, they broke up then, so I was like, oh, this is not, they're not gonna be good like they once were, I mean, because they're done. And then here's Billy Corgan's solo work with his electronic, like, wannabe Moby <laughs> kind of music. Um, which, in my opinion, he should have still kept that going. Like, yeah, his first two albums sucked, but if he still, like, maybe he could get the hang of it, and then he would have done something better than just, you know, reuniting the fucking band, because that's the only reason he's still with the band, because he wants to make his music, but he can't do it by himself. I feel like this is very cynical, but I think he just wants the, the clout of the name, the band name that's topped the charts in the 90s yep. and has a lot of name recognition. He seems like a guy who thinks a lot about uh, how things are going to be perceived by the, by the public. No, he is. But also his egoism is what kills him because he really thinks he can still change the music industry and be better than everyone else. Um, yeah, he, he does seem to, to think he's the best musical artist who ever lived. <laughs> But we should all think that. Every uh, artist should think they're the best. Otherwise, like, yeah. you're not going to have the, the, the guts to put your, your shit out there. I don't know. Sometimes I'm in the fence with that because, like, I mean, I think you should have confidence in putting the music you like there or putting the music you have there, but consider it that it's the best. That's where I have debate. But then maybe that's where I'm projecting my own insecurities. I don't know. The best is not the right word, but you have to think that you have something important to share. 
or that you will someday and you're not there yet or, or something. Cause I feel like that a lot. Like I, I, I'm, I haven't made like the perfect stuff I want to make, but like you're I'm getting trying. There. You're getting there. I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. That's what, what's what we, we all need to do is try to get closer to that ideal product, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, you were saying some really interesting stuff while I was uh, in the bathroom mm-hmm. and, and getting another drink. Well, you told you're... me to shine, so I and I know one of the biggest rules in podcasting is never give dead space. So if always you're keep gonna unpacking. keep oh. to the uh, purity of an unedited podcast, yes. yeah, but yes. I, I still plan to edit this. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna leave in everything you did, though. Okay, it sounded like you were quoting Daft Punk at one point. Yes, that was that was that was my point. That was, I'm happy that you took that. But what you were you? That. I couldn't really hear it. I just heard harder, faster, stronger. stronger. I guess but you have to what were you to talking? About? I forget. I forget. It's been a while. <laughs> were you talking about Jimmy Chamberlain's drumming? Um, that he's one of my favorite drummers. Yes, uh, I forget what it was. Um, I think I was complimenting, but uh, Billy Corgan's songwriting. Okay. Yeah, um, I think he's a great songwriter. But well, <laughs> let me ask you this. I mean, this could be still in the Smashing Pumpkins questionnaire, but what is your favorite band from Chicago? Mm, I mean, probably Smashing Pumpkins. Although I like Wilco a lot, too. I hate Wilco. Oh. For me, uh, it's Los Crudos. That's another podcast. Yeah. Screw Los Crudos. It's a hardcore Los punk Cru- band from uh, south side of Chicago. What what era? What years? Early nineties, um, mid nineties. Are they uh, Hispanic? Yes. Is that still okay to say Hispanic? <laughs> or you can say Latinx. I've heard. Uh, I never heard. Uh, you know, Hispanic being a canceled word. I I didn't either. It sounds like one of the more politically correct words, but uh-huh. then it's hard to know these days, and I. Like anything relating to race, I feel like I don't it's know a what to say topic, anymore. Right? Uh, but but wouldn't you? Don't you feel a little bit better? Like you know, you're not fully white. <laughs> yes, I feel entitled to uh, be more cavalier with saying things about Asians. Yeah. And then people always, if I do that, people look at me like I'm crazy racist because they don't think I'm Asian, uh-huh. but I am. And I'm not, I'm never racist. I know you're not. I just make observations about race sometimes, mm-hmm. but they're normal yeah. to me. No, I think that's completely true. What, what do you think of the Latinx uh, controversy? Because I've heard... Of what? The using of using the X for, for pronouns? Yeah. I'm totally fine with it. Uh, well, I, I you're think woke. it's great. You're no, young, I mean, you're woke. My friend made a comment about this. This is before the whole X thing came up because he was trying to learn Spanish, so to say. Mm-hmm. By him learning Spanish, it's just him asking me questions and I trying to do my best to give out a good answer. But, like, I, I'm not a Spanish. I'm not a grammar teacher, so I can't give out the full correct response to it. But he said to me, like, in Spanish culture, in Spanish language, if you're in a room full of women and the dog happens to be male... It's going to be ellos. Which, that was his joke, right? That was his joke. Is Instead ellos of, like a masculine? Old men. Now? Yeah, ellos is old men, you know? What? That was the joke because it is true. I mean, it is true. Like before I learned everything, like if there was one guy and there's a bunch of women, we will say ellos instead of ellas, mm-hmm. you know? I see. So 
I see that the hypocrisy on that, you know, and I'm 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 totally fine with AXs, you know, th- that's how we say it instead of, you know, oh, because AXs. Yeah, because we're saying the X. The only problem I have which is fine now, I get it now, I but back then is like it's sometimes pronouncing the words in Spanish. Cuz reading it it's okay, you know, like I get what it means. Like saying ello, ella, and so you say ax. Or or say ellas, es as, as a like a non plural form. I also don't know my shit about this that well, so I know I got a feeling I'm gonna get cold out on this. But I am all for learning and educating myself about that. But again, I have no problems with the X. I'm I'm definitely for it. Okay. Yeah, it seems like a step forward in in gender yeah. equality. Gendered language is, mm-hmm. a, is seems very backwards nowadays. It totally is, but I'm sure it exists in English too, but to a lesser extent. I also found out about this that the whole plural, the 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 pronouns in language is European. Hmm. It's you know you, we see it in Spanish, we see it in English, but the indigenous languages they don't use pronouns when they speak. That's oh. what I heard, but I don't know for sure. So the whole AOAS, that's, that's, you know, a form of colonialism. Again, you can also say Spanish and English is a form of colonialism, which it is. Um, AOS is like they? Yes, but okay. male they, you know? Male they. Yeah. I, I wish I knew more Spanish. I feel uh, guilty all the time. Why, Especially dude? I live in this neighborhood that's like so... Uh, uh, I mean, it is beneficial, but don't feel guilty, you know? Well, I... C- yeah, I mean, I took French all through school, and like, when am I going to meet a French person and and use it? And I still don't really speak any French. Do you use French uh, when it comes to like um, learning, uh, you know, doing research on certain arts in the academia world? Yeah, it came in handy. Uh, well, not really. A lot of like painting terminology for oil paint is actually Italian because it like originated in the Italian Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that oil paint originated in Italy; it actually started more in Northern Europe. Really, Where? Netherlands, uh, uh, Northern Germany, Belgium, which spoke French. So I guess I'm. I'm full of shit here. Actually, oil paint originated in the Middle East. Like, there's t- uh, Afghanistan, maybe. Like, paintings in caves in Afghanistan that use what you would now call oil paint because it's pigment in a an oil-based binder. Very different from modern oil paint, but still. Okay, I'm curious. Which color are you hypnotized the most when you start coloring <laughs> or you start painting? coloring like you're doing crayons man i love the question because it implies the colors can have a hypnotic effect and i do agree they're very can be very captivating but it it all depends on that moment because every color i use every color in every painting even though conventional wisdom with art is like have a more limited palette be be more decisive or like selective with color but i can't help it i just like them all so i'll, I'll throw in some phthalo blue phthalo green really intense artificial pigments and then uh quinacridone red is a very nice synth i like synthetic pigments 
even though they're kind of a no-no in like traditional oil painting. But I like, I, I have a very unusual way of painting, I think. I use transparency more. I don't know my art that well. However, when I see your art, what I, I do enjoy is that you like to break the rules in the art world and try to do something new with it. Like you, instead of drawing someone anatomically correct, you give them something like a longer arm or a longer leg, which is, mm -hmm. you know, realistically not real, obviously. But for some reason you make it, that's why I love about your art, you, you, you put a lot of thought, you put a, like, you give a new life in this canvas, which I've never seen in my life. You know, sometimes I think movies can be easily capture an idea, a thought, and you can do that in just one image in a canvas. Wow, that's, that's high praise coming <laughs> from you. <laughs> coming from me, I've uh, done nothing. No, but I mean, you you are a very smart and, and sensitive individual. I you, try. I know you you consume a lot of different art forms and, and media, uh, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, I guess that's why we're friends. So, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> that's an, I was, well, never mind. Uh, kind of no, awkward thing I have no, to cut no, out later. No, no. I was going to talk about why... I feel like we do have a lot in common. We're, we're like kind of, <laughs> you're just trying to make this part of the podcast unusable with your <laughs> ASMR sounds. Thank you. I, I was going to cut it go out. On, go on, go on. Say, say what you're going to say anyways. Uh, just that like, I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> in what ways? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> we will we, we like we like music we like guitar we like yeah <laughs> we, we geek out about guitar work um you love carlos santana i love carlos santana but i hate him as well i have a huge love-hate relationship with santana but you're like no man rob tom is smooth <laughs> you know every time it's a fucking hot summer day i think of you <laughs> because i wake up and I see that it's 90 degrees or plus, 90 degrees or more, and I say to myself, oh, it's a hot one. <laughs> and, I, and I think like of your seven face. seven inches from the midday sun. And I, and I think of your face mixed with Rob Thomas's face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> singing that in Harlem, in the streets of Harlem, New York. <laughs> That's incredible. I, uh, or was it Queens? I forget the music video. Is it Latin Harlem or Queens? I forget. It doesn't matter. He says uh, Spanish Harlem. Spanish Harlem. Mona Lisa. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't think I can claim like being a huge Santana fan because, yes, I like smooth. You troll me on that song. Like You know that I hate that song, but you still play it in front of me and all that stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's have a musical interlude on the podcast. Okay. One of the first guitar licks I ever learned. I don't, I don't know anything besides the opening lick, and also I, I doubt oh, the mic caught that. One. I'm pretty sure the mic caught it. I didn't hear like guitar coming out through the speakers, so. But you'd be surprised. Matter. You'd be surprised. 
I, I, you sent me a meme or like a Instagram video the other day of Santana, like ripping it up. He still he still plays well. Uh, yeah. How old is he? Seventy. He's seventy something. Yeah. Yeah, I was also surprised on that one. Um, I mean, I, I. But like, then again, guitarists, as long as you're not like, I don't know, totally drug addled. You can still play into your older years. I guess this is the guitar aspect of our fucking podcast. Um, yeah, we do it all. I um, my favorite Santana period is when he had the SG, and then like yeah. the early years of him having the PRS, like okay. the eighties PRS when he's slowly balding. Um, now he just wears a hat all the now time. Now he wears right? a hat. Yeah. Um, so. What did I, he have between the SG and the PRS? Anything? Or does no, that... it's just those are the only two that I've oh, seen. Okay. Maybe he had a Strat back in the day. I'm not sure. That sounds wrong to have yeah, Santana like have you seen, playing a Strat. Have, like, there's images, changing the subject, there's images of Tony Iommi playing a Strat, which is... Was he trying to be Richie Blackmore? No, but he do, did look like Richie Blackmore. That's funny you say that. Um, but changing the subject or going back to the topic... Um, <laughs> I respect the instrument PRS. I've played it before, and it feels nice. I get, I get why people love it. I don't think I've ever played one. Oh, it's really, it's really smooth, smooth like butter. Um, it's nice, but the problem is, I, I just can't see myself owning it, being a part of it, like, kind of like how Santana is with the PRS. I've seen other musicians with the PRS, like they are part of it. You know, I can't see myself like that, and I. I happen to dislike, I, sh- I shouldn't say this, maybe you'll edit this out, but like... Paul himself? No, I, I happen to dislike people who play PRSs that much because they're <laughs> acting like, you know, snobs. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but there is a certain, like, aesthetic. Yeah, that, it's a uh, smuggy, this, they get that smuggy vibe, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But now they're becoming more, it seems like more mainstream every passing year. Like you just see people playing them like a, a Gibson style Fender. Like PRS is just one of the, or Ibanez. Like they're all kind of seem interchangeable to me. It doesn't seem like much of a like personal decision to choose one. Let, let me tell you a story. Um, back in the late 2000s, early 2000 time, there was a um, a, a house that was torn up and there were there was a house show they were playing this like seven hour house show because they're going to tear the place two days from that event so they were just ruining the place bringing all these bands in and there was i'm not going to say this band's name because i don't want any any shit from them i'm pretty sure they're not even there around anymore but they were a pop punk band like blink 182 kind of thing and they had the instruments they had was really expensive. Like um, they had a PRS, they had some expensive amplifiers, expensive drum set. Everything was extremely expensive. And the guitarist had, again, he had a PRS playing pop punk, simple power chords. Mm-hmm. And he, I thought he was going to play something flashy because you know you, that's what you normally think when you see someone with a PRS. He didn't. He was learning. He was kind of like learning how to still play it. And I guess what bothered me more is like he they 
the vibe I got from the band is they didn't care about the music they played. They cared more about the way they looked with the instruments they had. And their sure. music was shitty. I mean, I'm not a fan of pop punk. I'm not a fan of power pop. This was a local band. This I'm was guessing? a local band. Yeah, wasn't wasn't I wasn't there for them. And what what about what year about would you say this? It was, was? like late 2000s. Because like just 2007, like, 2008 maybe. So like 15 years ago, yeah, PRS had a, a different uh, connotation even then than I think it does now. Now it seems even more mainstream, but yeah, those are. Because they have a, a student line now. I think SE are like more affordable PRSs. But back then it was probably all like USA made a couple thousand dollars for, for the, the basic PRS. So I see what you're saying. Like that seems excessive for a, an intermediate guitarist to yeah. uh, be playing in a local gig. But good for him. Them. Yeah. He, I mean, she, they. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk too much shit about PRS, even though I have no particular like attachment to mm. them. I just don't like the way they look. They like they look, look lame. Weird. That zebra like pattern, zebra like pattern. You mean the flame maple? Yeah. Yeah. Too when there's too much flame in a maple top, I, I think it looks bad or just too flashy. Now I'm curious. What made Paul Reed Smith say, "This is the look. This is the look for the guitar." Like I get it like as a tacky as a, dude. <laughs> I get it as a luthier that the elements of how why a PRS is a great guitar, but like the way it looks, what made what made him say, "That's the guitar." Um, I guess we'll never know. I'm not gonna do research. I don't give a shit. Well, oh, he he went can't. through phases. I find his early work kind of interesting. He was just ripping off like the Gibson. Uh, double cut junior mm. shape but mm. making it a little more like elegant and rounded mm. i like those style guitars he makes but the one that's like a strat but like crossed with a les paul that's like flamey maple with a double cutaway i would never own one switch topic back to contemporary music bands uh <laughs> this relates to prs though have you okay. heard of a jam band called goose no how do you spell it? You is it like G O O S E yeah, or is it just G U S? Like Goose, okay. like a bird. Okay. They're do really they... good, and, and I bring them up because their guitarist plays one of those semi-hollow, uh, double cutaway. What are the songs PRSs. about? Do they talk about birds? Mm, they might. I haven't heard that much. Oh. I've watched a few of their. They put they put so much content online. They put like uh -huh. two or three hour uh, live sets. On YouTube for like, it seems like every show they play, they put it on YouTube. Do they open up for Slightly Stupid? Is that another jam band? I, I think so. I think they I don't, I don't listen to them. <laughs> They're in that like fish, uh, even like Grateful Dead camp of, of bands, do but they're you, new. Do you, do you eat string cheese when you listen to Goose? <laughs> There's another one, String Cheese Incident. Uh... uh you probably could probably uh -huh. more likely like acid mushrooms uh -huh. stuff like that uh -huh. their fans seem to know how to have a good time like i think you'd like them they're very musically uh do you proficient. eat goo balls when when you listen to goose what was that goo balls you don't what get that reference goo balls, no. goo balls is a is an edible that uh, a fish that fish heads make when they before they go to a fish concert why do you know this you're not a fish uh, there's fan. a podcast called analyze fish where they talked about that which the, it was <laughs> the writer of uh forget the name of the famous show um uh 
Parks and Rec, I think. He he uh, he wrote. Uh, he's a huge fish fan, and really? his podcast was basically trying to convert his friends to listen to fish. And I uh, yeah, I listened to the episode <laughs> with Tom Sharpling, and obviously, I'm a huge Tom Sharpling fan. Um, so they talk about goo balls, which See, is that's really a music podcast, right? The best show. Oh, the oh, the best show is a comedy, but they talk about music and they talk about movies. They talk about a lot of stuff, but. Mm-hmm. I, I call it highbrow stupidity or highbrow stupid humor or lowbrow New Yorker humor, <laughs> whichever you want to call. But no, it's it's great stuff. I love it. I, I, I it, it has changed my life for the better, for the worse, but it's it's been there for me for a while. Um, Which is it, for the better or the worse? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm a huge fan, and I will support that show. <laughs> You'll take any change yeah. you can get. <laughs> make it better, make it worse. Yeah. Just, just make me feel something. Yeah, make me feel something. That's for sure. But um, See, so you I, like jam I'm bands? Like that. Do you like jam bands? Not really, no. but I do like uh, just like interesting instrumental noodling. Uh-huh. There. Yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't call myself a jam band fan. I wouldn't want to go to a full show and, and like listen to like three and a half hours of, uh, of extended improvisation. But it's nice to listen to people who know how to play their instruments really well, and they're clearly just improvising. The guitarist is really good. Uh, from Goose or Fish? From Goose. Fish too. Trey Anastasio is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. He's a great musician. Mm-hmm. I like his playing too. I I'm a I'm a very bad consumer of of music and like any art. It's funny really. because you you know your stuff. I, Every time I make a little reference, you're like, I get what you're saying, Oscar. You've made yeah. about like twenty that went over my head. No, or I just don't know <laughs> anything about. I've heard the names of the bands. That's about it. But how you can like devour an artist's discography up across a few weeks? Like, I, I don't consume music that way. I like I mean, rarely listen to a full album. The problem I have is that I, I don't know the history while they're while it's happening. I just I just let the music speak to me. Like uh, I didn't know about the drama that happened after uh, after Melancholy. You mm-hmm. know, you Robert and Ben. Especially Robert was the one who gave me insight that, you know, Jimmy was, you know, recovering a drug addict and trying to sober up and all that stuff. And that makes sense why there's not a, that's why it makes sense why a door is not a drum heavy album. You know, sure, sure, why not? I know you're a tequila man, but. I'll do an ASMR while you pour it. um, Glug, 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 glug. Okay, that's not, that's not. I, I've gotten back on the whiskey train lately. I was only drinking clear liquors for uh, like probably over a year. But I realized like whiskey is the only liquor that I can just sip neat, which is nice. I don't like having to always put a mixer in or like right, even on the rocks. Cheers. cheers. Cheers to our first pod. Cast. Cast. So... What do you think? Do you like moonshine? This is good. Do you like moonshine? I don't know if I've ever had like real moonshine cooked uh, up in a bathtub oh, or something. What you mean? There's a brand of uh, like weird liqueurs called moonshine. That's is that what you're talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, there's one with a mason jar. 
Yeah, I've had those. I don't. That like one's them. really good. I like it. The the peach flavor is they're extremely fantastic. sweet, right? They're like uh, the, the, yes, the, the the peach flavor was fantastic. Yes, it was sweet. I liked it. Uh, maybe I didn't try the right one, but it was really like medicinal, chemically tasting to me when I tried it. Uh, I just remembered we we were talking about smashing pumpkins, and so this yeah. this podcast has some structure. I love that we're just jumping all over the place. I mean, but you, what you, if we? Yeah, you we, can tell that it's sometimes I bring it back. <laughs> what if we just go through the discography like a sentence about each album, so at okay. least I can uh, cut together a tight five minute podcast. <laughs> okay, Gish, uh, it's a good good grunge album. Okay, great great guitar riffs. Yes. Some some of my favorite solos. You asked yeah. about solos yes. earlier. I think the ones on Gish are my favorite, honestly. Yeah. Especially the first one. What's the name of the first song? Rhino? I Am One. I Am One. Yeah, that was a really good one. Uh, there's like three <laughs> guitar <laughs> solos <laughs> in that song. <laughs> and the drumming? Mm. Mm. Really poppy. The, the drumming really driven. Whole, yeah. All the drumming on Gish is, is fantastic. I think it's very well recorded, uh, too. Uh, Butch Vig did the first two albums uh-huh. and I think Gish it actually sounds even better than well no that I can't say that Siamese Dream is a very stylized like pop produced 90s rock mm-hmm. album but Gish is like just raw rock and sounds great it's very trying very to fizzy and, and sparkly I think phone there it is okay okay in Siamese Dream what do you think of Siamese Dream uh, probably the one I've listened to the most, more than any other, probably any album by any artist in my life. Uh, haven't listened to it in years, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I still know it by heart. I can, I can picture it. So it just, I, lo- I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I think it's pretty much every song's good. I like it. Uh, I like the fact that, uh, it's a good, um, transition on the acoustic stuff. Mm. You know, uh, and they're trying to get more dynamics, you know, playing some stuff like today, really, really simple stuff. And they're really loud, um, but still trying to trying to be the king of the hill of the grunge music. You know, they want to be that. They're still like fighting against Pearl Jam and Nirvana, you know. Yeah. But, you know, Chicago style, you know, instead of, uh, you know, <laughs> state of Washington. We're going to go Illinois style. What do you think of uh, Pisces Iscariot? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Pisces Iscariot? You know, that was uh, Judas's last name in the Bible. No. That's where Iscariot. What do you think from. of Judas? Do you like the guy? Do you hate the guy? <laughs> I like See, him. Not because he yeah. killed Jesus, but. Uh, I really do think Jesus asked him a favor. He's like, yo, I need you to do me a solid. You think he wanted to be betrayed? Yeah, and I really do think so, yeah. So his little prophecy could be fulfilled? Yeah, and, and Judas is like, I'm only doing it because I love you, man. That's an interesting That's how, That's how I see it. I don't know enough about the story, but I would assume like the devil possessed Judas to betray Jesus. Is that not... I mean, that's what you think of it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you if you're right or wrong. Um, so, what do you think of Pisces? Not. I don't think it's one of my favorites uh, to listen to. I. It's a B-sides like album, so it's stuff they would have put on either Gish or Siamese Dream 
a lot of acoustic stuff. I think it's fantastic because of the acoustic stuff. Yeah. And I like their rendition of Landslide. Yes, that's a great cover. Weirdly enough, like, you hear that a lot on, like, Q101 uh, rock, alternative rock radio. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, one of the things I like about Billy Corgan's is his nasally singing. Hing, hing. Like, it's, like, sometimes I ask myself, what makes him so Chicago? Because I don't, I don't hear the Chicago in them or anything. And then here's Billy Corgan and Landside. Hing. Can you do that? I, I can't do it sometimes. I cannot mimic mm, Billy's he, voice. It's like a high-pitched nasally tone. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I am too shy to even attempt it. Even though it's not the shyness, I just know my voice can't get there. Uh, I've heard Billy talk about this in interviews. Like He claims his, his voice just has no naturally like no bass in it, which I think is why he can get that really gritty trebly sound mm-hmm. he's just got a it's not his voice isn't necessarily super high pitched but it just has like very it's a very thin like nasal tone okay now I'm going to transition to what you think of melancholy um n- yeah like there's parts of that album that I just think are are unnecessary like it's too long uh like a lot of the second half of the second side where they do very slow, uh, like slow jams. I think like they could have condensed it into one really tight album. But like you always surprise me with your, your fascinating like love of the acoustic softer songs. So maybe you, maybe those were your favorite parts of melancholy, like second half of album. It's side two. funny you say that. Cause the reason I asked you to transition is the reason I like melancholy a lot is like the song like X, Y, U. And there's another one where, uh, I Have was, am- I was amazed by how Billy can yell. Yeah. His yelling is so fantastic. Uh, Sometimes I wish he can just only yell instead of singing. Um, I agree with you that uh, that it's too much. I feel like I think this is Billy's response of making like something like the wall, especially with the first and last song kind of being really similar, so it can be like uh, a forever loop kind of album, right. like the wall. Um, I also see an aspect of like um, the Beatles White album. I don't know, like. Did, did Billy write all those songs? I don't know for sure. I don't know the, the, the full in, in, instinct of it. But one of the reasons I like the White Album a lot is because there's a competition with John and Paul uh, mm-hmm. who can write a better song. So maybe Billy's like challenging himself if he can write a better song after that, you know? Going from Tonight <laughs> to the other song. and I forget what it's called. Um, I, can, I just have it right here. Going from Tonight to Jelly Belly, you know? Going something simple and sweet and gentle. Doom. <laughs> So that is a great pairing of songs. Yeah. I love that transition. So yeah, I do see that it's too much. However, this is where I see where like Billy's is the top of the hill where his egoism is on on you know, right there by close to the sun and afterwards he's going downhill because he really thinks the more content you make, the better you will be and you will be forever recognized and he thinks that he is the king of grunge right then and there. The king of whatever, like alternative music at that time. And then he makes Adore. Yeah, Adore is complicated because just to go back to what you said, like 
a door wouldn't have happened the way it did unless like Jimmy hadn't been kicked out of the band, the whole overdose mm-hmm. situation. It would have been a very different record if it was just the four of them powering through the next mm-hmm. album. Maybe it would have been just as big and overblown as Melancholy. Uh, there's more I want to say about Melancholy too. I'm okay, starting to feel like, but uh, like nothing really specific, but there are great songs in it, but uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I feel like I'm not giving it its fair shake because I was just like, yeah, I don't really like, I think it's too long. But uh, also in in retrospect, uh, sorry, I can't say the word right now correctly. I'm a bit drunk. Um, I haven't listened to this music in a while, and so I haven't, and neither have you. Haven't either. You like you haven't listened to it just like two days ago. So we're just yeah. you know we're going from what we've known from yeah, last our, our initial yeah. impressions, yeah. emotional response to the music. I like that you brought up X Y U and and Jelly Belly. That is, I think, uh, a strength of melancholy. Yeah. The, the extremes get very mm-hmm. far apart. The, mm-hmm. the heavy things get really heavy and. Mm-hmm. Billy screaming gets some of the most intense it ever was, and then the light stuff gets super light, like nursery rhyme level, uh, light soft songs, which I, I respect that about it a lot. But Siamese Dream did that too, <laughs> and I would argue uh, had better songs, even if they're a little simpler and like more folky in a way. Okay. So Adore, what mm. what did you think of Adore? It's my favorite album. From wow. from Smashing Pumpkins and like, I feel like instead of this is my opinion. I don't know. I don't. I'm not a. I don't know a Billy Corgan's by history or life that well. But like again, just listening from the music, I feel like melancholy. He was just trying to prove the world. Now a door happens, and I think he achieved what he's trying to prove. Now he's trying to trying to prove himself. He's having an internal battle of what he's trying to say. And for me, I am a huge fan of sentimental, emotional music where it's challenging to listen to and because you have to face your own emotions. And I and I have nothing but respect for Billy to do that. And but like what you said is correct. I think like I again I say that Jimmy Chamberlain's is the heart of the band. Like like he makes that band. And it's weird enough for me to say that, and I'm sounding like a hypocrite saying that because him not being in this album is what makes the band album really great because it's it's proving it's trying to ch- it's challenging Billy like what can I do without Jimmy, mm-hmm. and he did it, and I wish that Billy could challenge himself more like that instead of thinking I'm the best I'm gonna do this again I'm gonna like he goes back and forth about like confronting his feelings versus not confronting his feelings and talking about something else like Christianity. But that's my favorite album from um, from the discography is Adore. Uh, yeah, there, there have been times in my life I would have been right there with you that it was my favorite album. It was just like there's some beautiful mm-hmm. moments. Like I think his voice never really sounded better than Adore. Mm-hmm. It's not like over-the-top cartoon nasal screaming uh, although I do think he has a great scream, but like it's not overly performative. It's just very vulnerable and like direct his singing, uh, and 
It's so funny that you would go from saying Jimmy Chamberlain is like the heart of the band and makes the band, but then like your favorite album is the one without him. Isn't it weird for me to say that? That's so interesting though. I think you have a point. Like you can feel his absence in it. Even the song structures, like they're, a lot of them you can tell are just like drum machine uh, loops, which was by design. It almost has a techno flair, that whole album. And did you know his mom had also just died uh, when he was, they were recording that album? No. So there's songs like For Martha are like a, literally oh, about his mom's geez. death. So he was going through some oh shit. Oh, my gosh. Losing the drummer of the band and then uh, his mother. And, you know, that, that takes some courage to do. Like having that kind of grief happening in your life, your mom dying, your best friend going through some shit. And then still saying, I got to make music. Because there's moments where you just don't want to do stuff. You just want to be at your home, be at the bed, and just just do nothing. And which, you know, in, in this world, sometimes we strive upon, you know, work through your grieving and all that stuff, which is not good in your mental health. But for some reason, like, each person works through it, grief in a different way, especially in the background that I used to be in. Um so I see that, and and like, and I respect it, and and see Billy doing that. I think it's therapeutic for him that he wrote these songs. Great, you know, it all it all works to each, however an individual wants to work it is. But I I have nothing but respect for Billy doing that because it's it takes a lot of work, a lot of courage, a lot of hard work mm-hmm. doing that. Well, you wow, have to, I got to listen to that album again now. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if all of it really reflects on that. There's a lot that are clearly about like a, a romantic relationship and like he probably had, I think he was also going through a divorce at that time. Because <laughs> um, a lot of the album art was by a woman named Yelena Yemchuk, I think I'm pronouncing it right, who he had started a relationship with recently, but uh, his wife in Chicago was still... I don't know if they were divorced yet. Anyway, this is a lot of me talking out of no, things no, no, I that's, that's don't... Keep, uh, keep on talking. That's what, that's the beauty of it. So I just mean like I the fact that it's not fact-checked, but they, we already established yeah. that we're, we're just going off of uh, things we have read a bit about. But uh, yeah, it's a great album. <laughs> I had a thought there, but the whiskey's also making it hard to recall. Yeah. He had a Billy had a great live journal where he talked about the making of a door, which is where I got a lot of this information no way, from. That's awesome. It felt like he was writing his autobiography, but just posting it online as he wrote it. I don't know if it's still accessible anywhere, but there's a lot of great like behind the scenes about the '90s uh, recording of albums. Do you think uh, that was his uh, blueprint on making his poetry? Uh, the, the, this was actually after the, all the poetry. Uh-huh. The poetry was like early 2000s. I know, I know. But do you see from the live journals, like, okay, I see some elements of the poems from the books that he got released in the 2000s. I'm, I'm sure yeah. he was uh, putting poems on his live journal. The live journal was, was like more recent. It wasn't while the albums were, were mm. being recorded. It was more like late 2000s. Gotcha. Okay, well, um, the album after that is M- Machina. And I think you're you're right. That's the correct pronunciation of that word. But I've always heard Billy refer to that album as Machina, the Machines of God. 
yeah. See again another <laughs> another reference to Christianity or religion. It gets it gets more and more overt yeah. as the albums go on. Yeah, the, the God stuff. Uh, yeah, a weird album. I think we talked about this uh, like in that text thread, but you you and I agree that Machina Two is overall better. Way better. Way better. I just don't understand the p- aspect of Machina like. My, I think my favorite song is the first song of the Everlasting Gaze, and I feel like hmm, Billy was trying to make another Melancholy, but instead of two discs, just one disc. But like, I just feel like he didn't happen; like it didn't work. Um, I think you have to be in drop D for that. But actually, I was going to play a song. Do you, did you do you remember this one? Uh, it's been a while. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, it's it's a it's like a, one of the less remembered tracks. It's called Wound, or, or it looks like Wound, but Wound. That's my favorite Machina song. Everlasting Gaze is a great uh, like metal. It's like new metal <laughs> song, but there's some uh, Wound is like one of the songs I think still holds up. Stand Inside Your Love has a great music video, black and white, silent film style. I think I'm talking myself into thinking Machina is actually quite a good album. <laughs> I mean, it is for you, but I, I just, I didn't, I didn't like it, and uh, and that's why it's, that's, it's very inconsistent. That's why I asked certain questions in that in that tw- uh, in that text thread, like, were was the band making that album right as they were announcing they were going to quit? And like, I feel like if that was the situation. I could see why that album was not as good because that that news barrier can just fucking ruin an album or ruin the thought of the process of an album. Because yeah, I, I feel like sure. there's some moments where like it's good, but it's not there. Yeah, and there's a lot of really bad production choices or like weird, noisy mm-hmm. soundscapes that I don't think really add much, mm-hmm. uh, especially towards the back half of the album. I think there's a few good songs. And Machina 2, I don't think it's... Machina 2 is a very weird status. Uh, it's only that, like, B-side collection yeah. you can get on websites now. It's not on Spotify. No, it's not on Spotify. Uh, it's on YouTube. Um, okay, yeah, YouTube. There, there's a version of Try, Try, Try. Do you mm. remember that song? It was a single off of Machina. They made a video and everything. Mm. No, but there's, I don't, uh, but, yeah. there's an alternate version on Machina 2, so... You can't even really call it a second album. It's more like a remix of like B sides. It's kind of like Aeroplane Flies High or I think Aeroplane F- Flies High. The box set is amazing. I like that a lot. Is that how is that packaged on Spotify? Because I don't really. Use it's just Spotify. they have they has all the tracks. That's it. But not, is it not labeled like the bo- no. Aeroplane Flies High? It's yeah. It's labeled Aeroplane Flies High. It's not like the box set where it just gives you like all the CDs and all that. It just gives you all the tracks and boom. It doesn't tell that, you that's which. So weird. So you just I just listen to the whole thing. It's great. I like it a lot. Um, Does it include the singles that each like disc was based on? Like it'll yeah. be like 1979 and then like four songs, yeah. five songs yeah. related to it. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't say you know which CD is which. Just called track 14, track 15, track Interesting. 60, track 61. Um, but you uh, you like that? Yeah, I did. I did. Is the song uh, Pistachio Medley on there? Like a 20-minute instrumental, like chopped up snippets yeah. of songs? Yeah. 
I used to really love that. That was good. It was good. Uh, <laughs> they also have a 20 to 40 minute uh, rendition of uh, Silverfuck. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. Uh, really that's, cool. That's really on Aeroplane? Yeah. Really? I yeah. F- do you I prefer I prefer the the B side work on Siamese Dream. I think that they recorded it in a, some TV show, and it's like twelve minutes long, maybe fifteen minutes long, and I like that version better. Like you you get to yeah. hear Jimmy play so good. Oh, Jimmy Jimmy's drumming in that track. Um, not the recording track, but that live track has to be the best I've ever heard him. Period. It's just amazing. Uh, I don't know if I've heard those. If I'll it's the it version you. on uh, Earphoria, like if it was a Siamese Dream live era yeah. outtake or like live live version, I wonder if it's the same as the ones they put on Viewphoria slash Earphoria. I don't know. Maybe. I think so. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> any, any last comments on Machina, Machina, the machines of God? Hmm. Not, not really. <laughs> like, it's just a very, very dated sounding record to me in terms of production choices. It's like, and the music videos are kind of like matrixy in a, in a way. Which I love all that stuff. Late nineties, uh, like cyber goth aesthetic is very cool. But that's a not not great artistic work to. Uh, to exemplify it. Okay, and now what do you think of Zeitgeist? It's a very ugly sounding record, <laughs> horribly produced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and like, I can name maybe like three songs off of it. I, I just remember like the title, a Tarantula I think is a song. <laughs> That's the way my love is, is like the, the slow ballady song but uh, nothing really memorable to me. I know you like it, right? I, uh, I wouldn't say I like it. I, it's really mediocre. Um, listening it to it like just recently, uh, it's not bad. It's not good. Uh, I, I, I hear Billy trying to achieve the impossible, quote-unquote, um, as in like he thinks he can be the king of alternative rock again. Like yeah, the band broke up, but I got it again. Don't worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Q101. I'm gonna be on top of the charts. It's gonna be amazing. You can hear that egoism, that 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 <laughs> the narcissism in that album. He well, it thinks, was their first album back since the breakup. Exactly seven years. Yeah, I think. so he thinks that he can do it again. Like he can he can he can do melancholy Siamese dreams all over again. But in the 2000s, I hear that in that album. It's just. There's a hunger it's, in it's, it. it. There's a lot of hunger in it. Yeah. There's, there's, but it's not good. It's just, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's an A for effort kind of album. Like, okay, I see you did your job. Like, good for you. You, you did it, but you, you missed the shot. You know, close but no cigar kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and well, like we're we we kind of are ignoring the elephant in the room here. Half the band, original band, is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's he and Jimmy, but. 2000 the band breaks up 
he does Zwan. I don't know if you included Zwan in no, your. I didn't. It's not on Spotify. I don't think. I think he yeah. wants to pretend that era never happened. But I think the Zwan album is really good. It's actually. not bad. It's not bad. From the last time I when when it got released, I listened to it back then. I thought it was okay. I didn't think there was a problem. <laughs> What does that mean in music? <laughs> this, there's no problem with this album. I just Isn't have like, no desire to listen to it. You know, but. I don't know. Just some people like really hate certain albums, and like even if it's you know, like just they just don't like it. And I, when I listen to it, it's like I I see why you don't like it, but I don't I don't know. It's not an issue for me. See, I, I don't I don't mean <laughs> that it sounds in the sense, like more damning. I don't I don't mean it in the sense of po- like they speak certain political things in in the album, like you know saying something like "Hey, Hitler's okay," like that that where I will say yeah okay that's a bad album you know, but like in the aspects of like whatever they're trying to say in the album that's not political, like oh, okay whatever, whatever good for you you know I'm not gonna listen to it again, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a light album. There's not a lot of strong thematic content. But you know which album I hate? What? Oh, no, no. no. I, I really don't care for <laughs> Oceania. Oceania. Ocean IA. Yeah. <laughs> the know, album I hate the most in this discography is Mon- Monuments to an Elegy. Yeah, I couldn't even get through that. Dude, it's album. Oh, I just got so angry listening to it. Like you're wasting my time. Like what was your reasoning of making this fucking album? Like I got so fucking angry. I like, why did you have to make this album? What's the purpose? What's the you just wanted to make it for the sake of making one? Like like what what message are you trying to put across? I hated it so much. Uh, People hate Zeitgeist. I get that, but I, for me, Mon- Monuments to Analogy. Just I hated it so fucking much. Yeah, I I know what you're. I didn't even force myself to listen to it. Yeah, I heard the man. lead single, "Being Beige," I think is on that. But uh, I don't even understand the making of that album because I heard that Tommy Lee was playing drums on some tracks. What the fuck? What makes What makes Billy think that's okay? Like, did Billy have like a hair metal phase? Oh yeah, in his uh, in his like youth in the late seventies, early eighties, he was all all about hair metal. So is this album like? See, and I don't hear the hair metal influence or inspiration in Monuments to Analogy. No, it's it's just like he's probably friends with Tommy Lee in real life, and it's like, hey, play on a few tracks. But I what I don't get is like where Jimmy was because I think he's been in the band pretty much continuously since Zeitgeist to now. So uh, I'm I'm just making shit up now because i i did i've paid very little attention to these releases i don't really have much to say about anything after zeitgeist hey you're smart for doing that you know like i agree with what you said smashing pumpkins in the 90s is the best stuff yeah that's it uh oceania i thought was okay at the time uh me and robert saw them live on that tour Uh at uh i think the all-state arena Mm mm-hmm and at the time, I thought, like, okay, the band is, is musically competent. Like, they have some new members, uh, Jeff Schroeder playing. He's a very good guitarist. I don't know if you have paid much attention to their, like, recent live shows, but mm. the guy he got to replace, James Eha originally, uh, is a very good guitarist. Isn't, isn't James in the band again? James is now back since, uh, I don't know what album you would call it. Like CYR? Or is it uh, Shiny yeah, and Oh So Bright? Seer. I think Shiny and Oh So Bright was also, uh, what, that was James's return to the band. Okay. But 
I don't know what James really adds. Like, I think he's a, a talented singer, songwriter himself. Uh-huh. But when he's in the Smashing Pumpkins, they kind of just sound the same. I, I yeah. don't really see much of a difference. Yeah, totally. Again, like I, I just see uh, Billy, Billy and Jimmy. You know, Billy with Jimmy's help. I really want to hear Jimmy's jazz band. I forget the name. Um, They're I'm, good. I really want to hear more of Jimmy, like what he wants to do. Like, because I feel like Jimmy, like. Listen to the Jimmy Chamberlain complex. Uh, oh, okay. I'll do that. I got to take a leak again. All right. Go urinate. I also, I'm going to check if these are still recording. Oh, wow. They're still recording. What's the time? We're at an hour 25. Yes, yes. This is going to be good. You're going to have a tough time editing it. Or maybe you're not oh, going to yeah, edit it at all. Maybe it's going to be the whole thing. He's kind of edited because he doesn't want people to know about his experience at, uh, at school. He doesn't want people to know his true opinions of what he thinks of his classmates and teachers and, cla- and colleagues. Sometimes I don't even know what to say in this situation. I know I just want to say something because I don't like dead air in podcasting. Uh and that's always a rule. Always say something because having that air is not good. You need to say something. Captivate the audience in some way, shape, or form. Um, <clears throat> I guess with me, I just one way I kill dead air is by asking people questions, but with me, uh, since there's no one to talk about, I don't know what to say to a certain someone, and so I start thinking, what do I need to say to myself when I don't think I'm an interesting person? Some people think I am, but I don't know about that. Uh, uh, I'm starting to enjoy art. Um, or and do art because I have friends like Dylan that inspires me to do stuff. Uh, however, I don't do painting that much, unlike him. He does it all the time. I'm more into like drawing with a pen, pen art. But I am trying to uh, push my boundaries and see if I enjoy things. But hey, Dylan is back with his alcohol. So. <laughs> So what else do you think about Oceania and monuments to an elegy? Uh, I I think very little about either of them. Okay. I think maybe our Smashing Pumpkins talk can can wrap up. No, 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 no. We're almost done. But I I really haven't heard most of these. What about Shiny and Oh So Bright? Uh, That was like more of an EP, right? It wasn't a full album. Yeah, it's an album. It's an album. Well, I know they it was longer it an than, album, but it was like seven songs. It was longer than Monuments to Analogy, I'll say that. Monuments really? to Analogy was like about 30 to 40 minutes. That sounds great. Yeah, sounds I know, merciful. but the music was fucking horrible, man. <laughs> I remember walking into a record store in Bridgeport on Halstead. Uh, I forgot. If they always had shutters over their blinds. I feel like they were never really doing great with business, but... Uh, me and Brooke walked in there, and then we were like looking for Smashing Pumpkins, like old albums on vinyl, like maybe a door or, yeah. or something. We asked the guy, he's like, "Oh, we've got this one on vinyl. It was Monuments to an Elegy. Oh, God. They had <laughs> they had a pretty small stock of modern records, but they had that, uh, and it was kind of sad to see. <laughs> like of all the albums by Smashing Pumpkins to have in your store, like that's the all they had. I wonder if they have uh, Christopher Cross's record with the Flamingo. 
I don't know that one. Uh, it's the number one record in every thrift store. Sailing, is that on I there? Th- maybe. I forget. Um, but, okay, so what do you think of uh, the shiny and also bright one? I, at the time, I was kind of excited about that. If I'm, if I'm even thinking about the right one, I'm, I might not be, but I think that was when James got back in the band. Rick Rubin produced it, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> I heard a couple songs and was like, all right, maybe they're back. Like, I had a lot of faith. Uh, I think maybe the song Solara was on there. Let me check for you. Yeah, check so I know. Yes. It was a bit, it felt like a return to form. I thought it was produced pretty well. Rick Rubin's a good producer. I don't know how much he actually does like engineering and and sonic wise, but I think he has a pretty good taste. Uh, So I thought it was okay, but not anything that I felt compelled to to listen to more than once. (laughs) I agree with you. Uh, I think it was a really good album. It wasn't something I will cry home about and say like, hey, this is going to be one of the best things in the Smashing Pumpkins discography. But it, it, at least there's there, at least there's a road to somewhere after the breakup. Like they're they're trying to get it together. You know, yeah. it's I don't care for it that much. I'm not going to listen to it again. That's my question again. This this other album again, the Christian elements. Like, what is Billy trying to do? Is is he trying to make the band a Christian band? Is he trying to convert his fans to be Christian? Because like <laughs> I, I I gotta give him respect in the aspect that he does his research and talking about Renaissance Christianity. You know that song, the. Uh, Knights of Malta and stuff like that. What, what are the Knights of Malta? I don't know. I, I did research on Wikipedia when it came out, uh, but like, I, I forget about it now. Um, I so I think it was a good album, but nothing to cry home about. Um, Cyr, same thing. Oh yeah, that's a long album, right? Isn't it like a double album? Uh, let's like see how many songs at least. Yes, twenty songs, one hour and twelve minutes. Um. It was long, but like, yeah, I, I like the fact that Billy is get being productive again and doing something, keeping him, himself busy. He's bringing that electronic, electropop thing you I, said. I back. dig that. I dig that. Uh, it's kind of weird, but I dig that. That's one thing I like about the band, Smashing Pumpkins, like where I, they're really diverse. Yeah. They have that synth pop vibe, they have that grunge drone metal sometimes they have that psychedelic pop one of the great things i enjoyed uh, was in the adore discography or just adore box set they covered money you know that beatles song with the song the beatles covered money that's what i want so like smashing moments covered that yeah they did it was really cool i enjoyed that so like i like where was this in the adore box set um so that I like about that band. They're really diverse. Some things I don't care about, but hey, I give them credit for, for doing that. They're, you can even call it a country because of their cover and landslide. You know? So that's Sweet what I enjoy. Mac, a cover band? Yeah. I mean, a, a country Fleetwood, band? Yeah. <laughs> or folk. You know, people will be angry for that. I call them they, a country. They've folk, always folk, had folk, a, folk. Smashing Pumpkins have a lot of uh, folky moments. Folk is just part of American music. Totally. Americana. Um, so yeah, and that that wraps up uh, Smashing Pumpkins Thank discography. <laughs> that was you were like, okay, let's finish talking about bits and She's like, no, we got to finish this. We're done. Do, wait, do you know about the uh, pagan holiday Sawain or something? 
No, I don't it's remember. It's like something to do with Halloween. It's spelled Sam Hain. S-A-M-H-A-I-N. I, I can't think of Word it on top of my head. Uh, I'm pretty sure if our friends are here, he'll be like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, who, like Raya? No, or? Robert and... Uh, is, this, is this a Spanish and Pumpkins reference? Well, I, I'm just talking about an actual thing, like oh, a pagan okay. holiday. Okay, okay. Uh, it has to do with Halloween. Anyway, uh-huh. on Seer, there's a song where Billy is singing about Sam. <laughs> he calls it Sam Hain, but it's definitely pronounced Salwain, incorrect, uh, like Celtic or Gaelic. I don't know much about it. I, all I know is he, like pretty egregiously mispronounces this this word <laughs> he just spells pronounces it phonetically i, I they cracked me up hmm. that's uh just a fun seer tidbit but let's let's never talk about smash and pumpkins again <laughs> okay i don't I think, think we need to i think we're done one question if they ever release a new album do you want to talk about it in a future podcast if if i feel compelled to listen to it if it like if it catches my ear I don't want to be like a hate podcast and just like hate, hate talk about gotcha. things I don't actually like. Gotcha. <laughs> that could be fun, but like I'm not going to give it the time. And uh, you've got to actually listen closely and have uh, actual comments, which I, I don't really have about any of this stuff. All right. Let me ask you other questions. Um, whose idea was to bring up Smash and Pungus? Was it me? <laughs> a good question whose fault is this i might have mentioned it i might have been like what are we going to talk about Uh smashing pumpkins (laughs) it's all my fault okay all right cool because i was wondering what should be our next episode be and since you brought it up um, i should i should choose what the next one is please do but if it's going to be be like assigning me an entire artist no 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 no. i don't know if i I can i know what it's going to be we're going to review two albums. Okay? Okay. Bob Dylan. Oh. Okay, we're going to review your favorite album from Bob Dylan and why. Okay. <laughs> and his last album. And just talk about it, what you think of his last album. That's it. I don't know if I've heard his last album. Dude, dude, it's something else. Is it good? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the one with like the 15-minute song about JFK? Yes. Yes. Uh, Murder Most Foul. Yes. Uh, what is the album called? I forget. I think it's called Murder Most Foul. I forget. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 there. It was released la- uh, 2021, I believe. No, 2020. It was released in 2020. Are we going to reveal what our favorite Dylan album yeah, is talk first? Ab- talk about our favorite Dylan album, and then afterwards talk about the last Dylan album. What, what's your favorite Dylan album? I, I think it's bringing it all back home, but I have to listen to his, mm. dis, not his whole discography, but my favorite songs, albums, and then go from there. Bringing it all back home is great. But we'll, I'll let, we, we, let's, let's just end the podcast now. It's over 90 minutes long, and you're going to have to edit this so it can be five minutes. <laughs> but I feel like uh, it's a bunch of garbage about smashing No, pumpkins. no, 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 dude. <laughs> that, that's the beauty of podcasting. Some people are going to enjoy this, the garbage, and some people are, are not. So it's, that's how we're going to find our audience. Um, <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for listening. This is Oscar. This is Dylan. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Man, you're such a good host. I could not <laughs> do that shit. Just from listening to podcasts.
Yeah, hour and a half. Okay. It's a good length. I'll probably cut it down to maybe an hour. Dude, yeah, just 